0: On February 17th, the University of Ottawa became the 11th university in Canada to officially commit to divesting from fossil fuels. I'm Sophie. And I'm Petra. And this is the Divest Podcast. Before we get started, Petra and I are each going to share a piece of a divestment news that we are really excited about and would like to share with you. Uh, Petra, do you want to start?
1: Yeah. So I, I uh, first of all, I would classify my feelings about this piece of news as complicated because it's one of those things that seems very nice when you first read the headline and then you keep reading and your face slowly falls as you realize that we live in a capitalist nightmare so a really exciting piece of news that came out that everyone freaked out about was the federal government cut off funding to the trans mountain pipeline which is amazing like this is the big divestment break the cost of building the project has nearly doubled since the last estimate, and the timeline was delayed yet again. And as a result of these things, the government announced that they're fully divesting from the project, they're fully cutting off funding, which is amazing and shows really, as as we all know, that fossil fuels are continuing to become less and less profitable. Of course, then you read on in the, in the articles about this announcement and come to the horrible news that just because the federal government has cut off funding to the project doesn't mean that it's not going forward because BMO and TD have taken the initiative to step in. The two banks have asserted that the project is estimated to still be profitable despite the increased cost. That remains to be seen. I think a lot of people are skeptical and definitely on our side of things, we're disappointed in this news, but it'll be interesting to watch going forward.
0: Definitely a bit of excitement at first before reading on. And I'm sure people who just read that top headline were were very pumped. So although it's not quite as exciting as we would have hoped, it is still a little bit of good news there to throw in. All right. So... My news is actually not related to Canada. It's actually about students who attend Yale, MIT, Princeton, Stanford, and Vanderbilt, I think is how you pronounce that. These students have done something unprecedented in the divestment movement. They have filed legal complaints against their colleges. Basically, they are saying that the colleges have broken the law by investing in fossil fuel companies. Basically, what they did was they wrote to the attorney general of their respective states and they basically asked the authorities to investigate breaches of what is called the uniform prudent management of institutional funds act which basically requires universities in the u.s to invest in a manner consistent with their charitable purposes so this is a really new strategy we haven't seen this before this is a legal case against universities investing money in the fossil fuel industry and I'm really kind of excited to see how this plays out. It's very new, and obviously these institutions have a lot more money than the students who are going up against them. So I'm not entirely sure what their what their likelihood of of winning these cases would be. But honestly, just the fact that they kind of brought this forward is is super exciting, and, and I'm excited to kind of see how it plays out.
1: And even if these cases don't don't make it to a settlement or a you know a payout. It, it accomplishes a very big thing, which is bringing attention to the issue.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I just wanted to mention as well, because obviously this this legal strategy had to come from somewhere. So basically the legal strategy was developed with lawyers from the Climate Defense Project. And what the law means is that it's in universities' legal duty to put the public interest first and basically, what these students are claiming is that by investing in fossil fuels, these universities are not putting the public interest first. And The Guardian did write a very good article, a very descriptive article on this subject. It is titled, Yale, Stanford, and MIT's Fossil Fuel Investments Are Illegal, Students Say. So definitely go go read more about that for sure.
1: And on to the piece of news that we'll be talking a little bit more about today, the exciting announcement uh, that a couple of weeks ago that the University of Ottawa has joined 10 other Canadian universities uh, in committing to divest from fossil fuels. I'm very excited to talk to Mary Stewart, who is a member of the student-led activist group Climate Justice UOttawa or Justice Climatique U Ottawa. The announcement came out on February 17th. There's a lot of good stuff that we'll talk to Mary a little bit more later on. But it was really nice that in the statement that I'd like to point out that the university actually... Thanked the students who advocated for divestment. Of course, didn't name the student groups because that would be too much. But the president is quoted as saying, we owe it to future generations to do everything we can today to mitigate the effects of climate change while we can still have an impact. And that the decision goes hand in hand with their overall commitments to reducing carbon footprints. So very exciting.
2: And without further ado, let's meet Mary. Mary, do you want to give us a bit of an introduction? Yeah, for sure. So thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to chat with you. My name's Mary Stewart. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, I live in so-called Ottawa on unceded, unsurrendered Algonquin, Anishinaabe territory. I'm in my fourth year of environmental studies at the University of Ottawa, and I guess I'm one of the lead organizers of Climate Justice U Ottawa that I helped start in the pandemic in July 2020 with a couple of other people at the university. But I've been pretty involved in sustainability and environmental initiatives at the University of Ottawa in various capacities for a few years now. And I've supported different, I guess, climate initiatives in Ottawa. So recently, we
1: got the incredibly exciting news that U Ottawa has committed to divestment. So let me first start off with how are you
2: feeling? feeling really excited, uh, pretty surprised. I didn't know if I was going to see that announcement in my time as a student at the university, but it feels really great that this commitment has been made. Mm -hmm.
0: It's a a really exciting time. I know, I think that's 11 universities in Canada that have now divested. So U Ottawa is the eleventh, so that's very exciting. And U Ottawa has a very interesting kind of history surrounding divestment. And I, I have to admit that even I got a little bit confused because I know that there was the fossil free U Ottawa group back in two thousand and fourteen, but then they ended up wrapping up, and then uh, and then obviously you started this group. Do you mind kind of chatting a little bit about the history of divestment at U Ottawa?
2: Yeah, totally. It is a pretty long history, as you said. I think things started, from my understanding, in 2013-2014, in the wake of the beginning of the, the fossil-free movement, where you saw all of these divestment movements popping up at university campuses. I don't know a ton about them, because I've never been able to actually get in touch with the previous organizers, but I know that they had quite a bit of support from the Student Association back in the day. And they led a pretty strong campaign. Lots of direct actions like sit-ins and fun events like giving out Valentines and asking the university to break up with fossil fuels. All the classic fun divestment campaign events that I, that I wish we could have done if it weren't for COVID. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, and I think a, a big issue for this campaign and for this group was just getting the attention of the university because this is back I think before universities were even really starting to talk about even ESG or, or responsible investing so a big challenge for them was just how to get the attention of the the president and the board of governors but eventually after a lot of campaigning they they managed to which resulted in different sort of round tables where they got to advocate for divestment they also did things like they presented a full report that they researched on all of the possible arguments for divestment from financial to moral to environmental. But what this resulted in, in the end, was the university officially rejected divestment in 2016 and committed itself instead to what it called a more holistic approach to investing. So it created guidelines for responsible investing, environmental social governance in its investments. A big thing that helped the university, I think, stave off divestment was that it was the first Canadian institution to sign on to the Montreal Carbon Pledge, and it was one of the first to sign on to the United Nations Principles for Responsible Investing. So this is kind of the the story they told pretty much every time people advocated for divestment was that they were doing it up through these forms of responsible investing.
1: Oh, yeah, that
2: sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Those are all words that have come up so many times.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think Ottawa is like a pretty classic example of using these initiatives and these signatories to shut down. Divestment campaigners. I think Fossil Free U Ottawa got some wins because the university committed itself to tracking the carbon footprint of its portfolio, and there were some, it seems, commitments to just reducing, I guess, ties to the fossil fuel industry in the portfolio. It was all a little bit murky, and I think the university used that to its advantage. And then, as far as I know, Fossil Free U Ottawa fizzled out. Presumably, the organizers graduated, and there wasn't that institutional memory to keep the the club going, which I think happens with a lot of climate groups and a lot of divestment campaigns. So then fast forward a couple of years, I was working as the coordinator for the Student Union Sustainable Development Centre at the university, and I chatted with a few different people about divestment. We thought it could be interesting to bring the campaign back. Things really got kicked off. In the summer of 2020, after speaking to members of Climate Action Carleton to talk about how great it would be to have a kind of a more coordinated divestment effort and to use the inter university competition to our advantage. So then that summer, I helped start Climate Justice U Ottawa with a couple of great organizers to launch our campaign.
0: So, University of Ottawa and Carlton obviously are very similar. They are in the same city. Uh, so a lot of the things that they do are often influenced by each other. So the whole idea with those kind of joint campaigns was if we successfully achieve divestment at one of the schools the other would most likely follow. I just wanna flag as well that Carlton is still yet to announce divestment, counting We're the dates.
1: Crossing our fingers. We're crossing our fingers. We
0: are crossing our fingers at that, and maybe we'll leverage uh the U Auto win and maybe some of their some of their amazing student activists to our advantage um, (laughs) to be able
1: to push Carlton a little bit more. So leading up to this decision, what were some of the things that you specifically worked on that you think would have contributed to it?
2: Yeah, well, I think the campaign was was tricky in a number of ways, just organizing during the pandemic uh, where we couldn't do a lot of fun events in person which made it difficult to get as much student engagement as as we would have liked. However, this meant that we did, I think, some great things with online organizing that I think were really useful. I think some of the probably most useful things that we did during the campaign were trying to understand the governance structure at the university to know who we should be contacting specifically about divestment. Because back in like 2020, I remember sending an email to the chief investment officer asking him about the university's investments directly and advocating for divestment. And of course, I got no response. But once we got the emails of different people within the administration, I think that was really helpful. And so what we did was we created an email template and had a number of email letter blasts to get students to to contact members of the administration of the Board of Governors and the Finance and Treasury Committee directly to inquire about divestment and, and in support of our joint petition and open letter with Climate Action Carleton. I think this is one thing that was really helpful because it meant that suddenly these people who are not used to getting emails from students uh, went to the president to say, what is going on? Why am I being contacted by a bunch of students about divestment? What are we doing on this? So I think that was one thing that was really useful. I think also, we did a lot of research just looking into the university's climate action reports, trying to understand what they were doing for their responsible investing, and then highlighting the lack of transparency, and explaining that in social media posts to try to help inform students and then get more support that way. And then of course, I should add that throughout the campaign, we also had members of the undergraduate students union advocating for divestment in all of their communications with the administration. And so we kind of were able to take this two pronged approach where we were pushing from the outside, but we had members of the students union saying, look, these students are going to continue advocating for divestment. I don't know what they'll do next, but they might have a protest. So I I think all of those things were. Oh, no, a protest. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's something that um, Climate Action Carlton and Climate Justice U Ottawa did do with
1: their campaigns is engage their student unions really actively. What specifically, what kind of support did the student unions give the campaign? Because I know that with our campaign, we got a fair amount of support in the union like declaring a climate emergency and supporting a policy that we put forward to the board of governors and the president did a lot of advocating on the board of governors. So I'm really interested to, you know, because it was helpful for us, I'm really interested to see what other people did with their student
2: unions. Totally. That's a great question. Since when I first started talking about divestment and learning about it, I was kind of working for the students union. I knew the advocacy commissioner at the time, who then became the, the president of the Students' Union. And so right from the very start, we had the support of, of the Students' Union. I think that's one thing that's really great. As, as Sophie mentioned with Climate Action Carleton and Climate Justice U Ottawa's campaign is that when we launched our, our open letter, uh, we had CUSA and we had UOSU sharing it immediately. So I guess that was the first sort of tangible step. And because of that, it meant that in any of the meetings that our student union had with the upper administration, they just highlighted divestment. I will say that definitely collaboration can be a little bit difficult just because our student union has a lot going on at once. So I think on, on both sides, we knew that the other side was working on this but it wasn't quite as as collaborative as I think it could have been.
0: I think we had a very similar issue at Carleton. It was nice to have the student union involved, but the communication between the climate action Carlton and,
1: and the student union was spotty at times. I think it's really nice to hear. I mean, it, it, it just makes my heart feel warm. I'm I, I, This isn't a very scholarly thing, but it makes my heart feel warm to hear the... S- Stories that we've, I think a couple of times of people who've had divestment successes, how much their student associations really, really did support the cause. And it's really nice for me to see that, you know, not only is it these small packs of activists on campuses, you know, struggling and fighting to get this one thing, that this is a thing that generally people are for. That, you know, like the elected representatives of the students push for as well. And so it's, it's really nice to know that we have that kind of support on university campuses.
0: Yeah. And this is a little bit off topic. I mean, it's on topic, but it's a little bit off topic. The one thing that I find is you get more support from the student union and from the students when you explain what divestment is. I think a lot of people see the word divestment and they're like, what is that? And they don't really bother to do kind of the work to find out what divestment is or what it means at all. So I know, like, for example, um, our student union, we had representatives run on the idea that they support divestment, while well, a lot of students don't know what divestment is. So, of course, that didn't really help their campaign that much. And I just wanted to kind of ask you, Mary, as well, like how did you engage with the students at UOttawa?
2: That's such a good question. and And you saying that reminded me of at the start of this school year in the fall, I was doing some tabling for our group. And I think since I'm in environmental studies, a lot of the time I'm thinking way up here and I'm forgetting what, people's general knowledges of the climate crisis and so and so even at the start of this this day tabling uh i said to people oh we're a climate justice group and we're advocating for divestment and would go on and then have to backtrack and say do you know what divestment is and realize that far fewer students knew what divestment even was than i had thought i had to change my approach for the rest of the tabling to like we care about the planet. Do you? <laughs> and <laughs> which is unfortunate that that we don't
1: have good enough education about sustainability and the climate crisis that, you know, generally folks don't know about it. I mean, I had the same experiences when, you know, when we were still in person and we were tabling and when I was talking to like my friends and and, and the people around me is not even divestment. There was a lack of knowledge about the climate crisis in general, like people generally have an idea like, oh, global warming's happening. It's bad. But they didn't have like a concrete idea of what it is and what's causing it so a lot of our early promotion was how do fossil fuels contribute to climate change and why is it bad that we're invested in them so it's you really have to think about things from like the perspective of people who aren't already ankle deep in this stuff already
2: absolutely yeah so what we ended up doing was again with online advocacy we made a a bunch of different social media posts on just what is divestment? Why should we be divesting? Who is divested? And we we tried to highlight the role that the fossil fuel industry has played in driving the climate crisis, furthering racial and colonial violence, in delaying and stalling action on climate change. And I think too, it is sad to see when students don't really know that much about the climate crisis or climate justice. But I think it's just a Further testament to the need for and, and great role that divestment campaigns can play on university campuses because they really change the conversation and shift it away from this narrative of personal action, talking about recycling and eating plant based, which is all great, but toward collective action and understanding the, the systemic issues and systemic action that needs to be taken to, to tackle the climate crisis. So I think that's one thing that's just really cool and empowering about divestment campaigns.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And this is my journalism marketing brain speaking. But it is just interesting when you kind of realize how ankle deep most of our activists are. And we forget sometimes that People don't always know what we're talking about. We have to take like three steps back to be able to properly explain kind of what's going on. And I know a lot of our listeners at the moment anyway are climate activists themselves and they do understand what some of this is and what we're talking about. But it's it's interesting too with marketing. When we're talking about getting students involved on campus, I find like... Actions that specifically use the word divestment don't do as well as things that use words like climate change, climate action, you know, like the, the terms that people recognize a lot more. And although that is sad and it, it is it is good to be able to educate on subjects like divestment, I think it's important for new groups and even old groups to kind of recognize with their with their marketing and with their strategic planning that, it's important to kind of go way back to those basics when talking about organizing actions and events because you will draw out more people who may not understand exactly what divestment in itself is.
2: Totally. And use memes. Use memes too. Memes are
0: so successful.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like I remember with Climate Action Carlton when they had a meme competition and then I think had students comment under a post and tagged the university and got a lot of attention for that. So that's great. That's just, that was so fun. And I know for Climate Justice U Ottawa too, times we've made posts that have a meme or just something kind of, kind of funny and quirky or like any post that's like the post that we make that would be really, will be really well-researched. We have 10 slides. We're breaking down the university's most recent report on their investing and and we're so proud of them and then those don't get obviously as much attention as as the funny memes so i think there needs to be kind of a balance of both of those things in the messaging but definitely i think the fun events or the events that are a little bit more general and the the meme posts are what bring people in
0: i was just gonna ask as well so now that Ottawa has declared divestment what's the plan
2: for the group moving forward yeah the big question so there are just so many options at this point. The feeling of the group right now is that we want to explore different kinds of events and actions and instead of focusing on just kind of one campaign because we hope to bring more people into our group. So I think in the future, we're hoping to do more action surrounding the, the big five banks, especially RBC because we have an RBC branch on our campus that has also replaced what was a student lounge. It's personal now. Yeah. Yeah. So we did sort of one action there on October 29th. That was, I think, one planned by banking on a better future that we joined onto. So we hope to do more of that. Also, we're going to continue to demand more transparency from the university because While they've committed to full divestment, we still don't know anything about where their holdings are. Their ESG criteria for their portfolio managers is extremely vague. So we we want to keep following up with them uh, to demand that transparency. And it would be nice to advocate around reinvestment. We're still working that out right now, because from my understanding, it's helpful if you're going to launch a reinvestment campaign to kind of have at least some dialogue with the university. But we found that throughout our campaign, they haven't been very collaborative or very responsive. Just as an example, the divestment announcement came totally out of the blue. And the last we had heard from the university directly, they had invited us to join a working group to discuss the possibility of divestment. So we had been gearing up for this. And then suddenly they announced divestment, not even contacting us. So all that to say, we're not entirely sure if we're really well set up to just launch into a reinvestment campaign. But I think we're gonna explore different options and hope to plan more general things like like climate strikes to bring more students in and talk about climate justice more broadly.
0: I want to hop back to the RBC thing for 30 seconds, if that's okay. We are going to chat a bit more about RBC, hopefully, in our next episode of this podcast. But I just want to mention, for those of you who don't know, RBC is the leading investor in fossil fuels. And also, it has a bit of a history with UOttawa in particular. Last March, RBC donated $400,000 to the university. So, Mary, like you were saying, even, even if schools divest, being partners with large institutions like banks and specifically RBC who invest so much money into the fossil fuel industry is has just as many negative consequences almost as direct investments in themselves.
2: Yeah, it's really tricky cuz it seems like RBC is just really well seated within the university. It's really unfortunate to see. I think too it also comes back to how universities are just becoming more business like and more commodified as they have less funding from government and so they end up I think, relying on these larger corporations for their mm-hmm. donations, which is just, yeah, it's all so complicated, right? You you start off talking about just investments in the fossil fuel industry, and then you learn about banks, and then you, yeah, it's, it's a long
0: tunnel. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for coming to t- chat with us today. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing what Climate Justice U Ottawa has in store for the future. Yeah, thanks
1: so much for having me. It was really great. Mary Stewart is a student at the University of Ottawa and a founding member of Climate Justice U Ottawa, or Justice Climatique U Ottawa. This podcast is hosted by Sophie Price and Petra Duff, and edited by Petra Duff. Our theme was composed by Jensen Lawrence. <music>